welcome to the Reminders of Grace podcast. The Reminders of Grace podcast exists to provide a reference for truth, promote a refocus on the gospel, and provoke a profound reminder of grace for our lives today. I am your host, my name is Derek, and I want to welcome you to the show. Your presence in this space is greatly appreciated. I am looking forward to diving into our episode with you today. We have, with this episode, officially reached the halfway point within our Subtle Strongholds series. And as a forewarning, we're going to step into it for sure in the next coming weeks. But I firmly believe that it'll be a help as we continue to acknowledge our strongholds and seek to allow God to tear them down in our lives. And with that, let's dive into this week. Like we always do, let's review our foundation for this study. A stronghold is by definition a fortified place, a place of security or survival, a place dominated by a particular person, group, or marked by a particular characteristic. We said we have fortified places in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives. We have places of security that we retreat to for defense mechanisms, for coping tools, or for social survival. When we are feeling attacked, we hide there. When we're feeling uncomfortable, we run to it. When we are struggling, we lean on it. When we're uncertain, that's where we go. And as we have done throughout this series is walk through some subjects and topics that have made themselves strongholds in our lives. They're not the good kind. In them, we do not find encouragement We do not find refreshment or nourishment by running to them. In fact, many of these strongholds are things that we likely didn't even intentionally set up, or we haven't even noticed that they have slipped in and they've stayed, which explains why they're subtle, why they are subtle strongholds. In our minds, they're not major character-defining or life-describing things, but they are there. And we need to address them. We looked at anger, bitterness, complaining, and in the last episode we looked at doubt. Part 5 of this series will take us to a subject and a topic that is talked about nearly 500 times in scripture, and it's not always the same. The stronghold we'll be addressing today is the subtle stronghold of fear. So what is fear? I think that's an important place to start when looking at a word and a topic that comes up over 500 times, we probably should be able to explain what it is. The dictionary defines fear as an emotion, experience, and anticipation of some specific pain or danger, to be afraid or to feel anxious or apprehensive about a possible or a probable situation or event, a feeling of profound respect for someone or something, a painful emotion or passion excited by the expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. And so what can we seek to understand further from this definition? Number one, fear, like anger, is primarily an emotion. But unlike anger, it's something that hasn't even happened yet. It's an emotion in response to or precluding something that hasn't even happened yet and could very possibly not even happen. 
Fear looks like, number two, fear looks like hesitation, confusion, uncertainty, and sometimes even paralysis. Number three, apart from the emotion of fear is the principle of fear not of something or someone, but for someone or something. We will look more closely at this in a few minutes. Number four, fear is inherently unpleasant. Fear is in itself a painful emotion. Fear is important to understand because the scripture talks about fear in two different ways. One way is positive and should be embraced. The other way is detrimental and needs to be addressed. The first way is summed up in part of our definition. Fear is a profound respect for someone. This is a fear not of something, but for someone. It's a reverential awe. It's not about being afraid. It's about recognition and respect for his power and his glory. It's an acknowledgement of who he is. Back in March of last year, I got the chance to visit the Grand Canyon. Never been before, so was pretty excited. I don't know if it's something that you have experienced yourself or maybe it's on your bucket list. I would say if you ever have the chance to go just once, take it. For me, it was surreal. There really isn't a picture or a postcard or a magnet that can capture what you're actually looking at. I took one picture and then just sat in it. Sat in the weight of the grandeur and the magnitude of it. You're not just looking at a hole in the ground. You're not looking at the result of millions of years of environment happening to it. It is so much more than that. This is one of the best ways that I can illustrate all. Because the God who created the earth that formed it, and everything else for that matter, he's a God that we should fear. That we should just sit in the weight of who he is, and where we are reverentially awed by him. And God talks a lot about this kind of fear. First thing we learn about this kind of fear is that he is the only one that deserves this kind of fear. First Samuel 12 says, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Psalm 96 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 47 verse 2, For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. Deuteronomy 6.13, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. He is the only one that deserves this kind of fear, but also this kind of fear gives us access to many things in this life. It gives us access to things like wisdom and knowledge. Psalm 111 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who live in it have insight. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom and knowledge, but also long life. Proverbs 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. Proverbs 22.4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord tends to life. 
and he who has it will abide satisfied. But also confidence. It gives us confidence. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. But also this fear, this kind of fear that we're talking about, this fear of God, this fear for God, it's not a suggestion. It is a command. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, now all has been heard. Let us hear the conclusion. Let us summarize this. Let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Revelation 14, 7, and he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory. For the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth. The reason why we have spent this time and done the work to see this is because we really need a proper understanding of fear. We need to know that when we talk about fear being a good thing, while in the English language it's the same word, it definitely doesn't mean the same thing. The good kind of fear, the one that we should want to have and embrace, is a fear for God, for who he is, for what he has done. It is not based on potential uncertainties, but on his promises. It's not based on a changing character or shifting behaviors, but on his identity. This is a reverential awe and respect for God. He is the only one that deserves it. He alone is worthy of it. He commands it, so let's fear him. But here is where we transition to the other kind of fear. The fear that was defined as an emotion experienced in anticipation of some specific pain or danger, to be afraid or to feel anxious or apprehensive about a possible or probable situation or event, a painful emotion or passion excited by the expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. This is a fear of something, a fear of someone. It's not about a reverence or respect, but about being afraid scared, or in terror. It's about anxiousness or apprehensiveness. This fear is that subtle stronghold. It's the one that we want to address and need to tear down. God goes to great lengths to remind us that this is a fear that isn't good for us. It does not come from him, and we really should avoid it. What we can learn is that this kind of fear is not from God. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This follows right after the statement that God is love. So perfect love which God has and is, does not, cannot, and will not be accompanied by fear. It's not possible. Romans 8.15, For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. This kind of fear is not from God, but also the very presence of God affirms the need to avoid or to reject this kind of fear. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous, fear not, nor be in dread of them. For the Lord your God, it is he who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. And so Moses is telling this in the context of this verse. 
Moses is going to tell this to Joshua. And then just a few days later, after Moses has died, God would then remind Joshua of this himself. In Joshua 1.9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't fear or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can people do to me? Isaiah 41, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then in Matthew 14, we see that Jesus, in the middle of this storm, Jesus walks on the water, and his disciples see him. And as the account describes, as his disciples see him, they think it's a ghost or it's some sort of spirit. And it says that they began to cry out in fear. But immediately, from their place of fear, immediately Jesus speaks, and he speaks to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. So the very presence of Jesus, the very presence of God, affirms the need to avoid or to reject this kind of fear, but also the power and provision of God. What God is capable of and what he has done, it nullifies the need for this kind of fear. In Matthew 10, verse 29, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground without your father knowing. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. In Exodus 14, verse 13, Moses said to the people, right before they crossed the Red Sea, right before God splits the water for two million people to walk across on dry ground and then puts it back so that the armies of the Egyptians would drown, He says to them, Moses said to them, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Luke 8, Jesus is approached by a man that has a daughter who is sick and dying. He asks Jesus to come and heal her. Well, along the way, Jesus heals a woman who had been sick for 12 years. And in the delay, the daughter of this man dies and someone comes and tells him, Leave Jesus alone because it's too late. When Jesus hears this, he says, fear not, only believe, and she will be made well. He would arrive at the house and he would heal this girl. David writes in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom will I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom will I be afraid? He would go on to say, though an army should encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war should rise against me in this, what's this? In this, that the Lord is his light and his salvation, that the Lord is the strength of his life, in this will I be confident. What God can do, his power and his provision. In Psalm 23, it's a very well-known psalm, but there's a verse, verse number four, that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, why, why can David say, I am not going to fear anything? How can David, in the middle of a valley, in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, how can he say, I'm not going to fear any evil? He follows it up, because you are with me. The presence of God and what God has done to provide and what he's capable of doing, 
it reminds us that we don't need to have this kind of fear. Whether this fear is of something or someone, what we also need to know is that nothing good comes from it. Nothing good comes from this kind of fear. And Proverbs 29 verse 25 gives us a pretty clear indication of that. The fear of man brings a snare. It lays a trap. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord is going to be safe. With over 500 mentions of fear or its similitudes, clearly time would fail us in this space to examine all of them. But I do trust that we've taken enough of a look at it to walk away with some things. One of the biggest reasons why I wanted to take the time to talk about fear is number one, so that we would understand the difference between good fear and bad fear. But also so that we would be real about the fear that we feel regularly. So let's get practical. Fear in our lives most often looks like a fear of man. What that means is that we are most often afraid of what someone will think, how someone will respond. What if they disagree? What if they are disappointed? What if they become derogatory? The fear that we most often feel is in context to what we perceive other people to potentially do. And it makes us hesitate. It makes us freeze up. It pushes us backwards at times. This isn't a conversation about fear of violence, physical danger, or illness. I think that some things that we have talked about, those have application within that context, but that's not what this conversation is about. This is about the fear that we carry from day to day that stops us from experiencing the life that God has for us. The fear that keeps us from fulfilling the purpose that God has called us to. The fear that hinders us from living on the mission to which God has commanded us. Living in fear of man is detrimental to us because it places people in a position of authority over us. And it attempts to relegate God to a position of subservience. When we run to the stronghold of fear, we are saying, God, I care more about what they might say, think, or do than who you are. God, their opinion of me is more important than the truth that you have declared over and spoken into me. And I realize that we don't outright say these things. But fear gets us. It gets me a lot. As we have and will continue to walk through these strongholds, I hope that it's clear that I'm not implying I've got this handled and here's how you can too. The reality is I'm in this. I'm seeking to grow through it as well. And as we close, that's just it. How can we grow here? Rejecting the bad kind of fear is going to best happen by embracing the right kind of fear. When we are increasingly in reverential awe of God, when we are marked by a fear for God, that is meant to draw us into deeper intimacy with him. The fact that God, as amazing as he is, longs for a relationship with us, that is a reason to fear him. There are people that would not give us the time of day if we begged Yet we find ourselves fearing them, being afraid of them, being apprehensive at something that may or may not even happen. 
But God is there. God is far greater and far more wonderful. And the closer that we get to him, the more that we remind ourselves of who he is and what he has done, the more that we recognize that he is the only one worthy, his very presence will drive out that fear. There's so much in this life that is uncertain. There's so much that happens day to day, and we sit in fear of what might happen next. But I know a God that is in control of everything. I know a God that when it doesn't fully make sense to me, even when I can't see it for myself, even when the pieces don't match the way I think they should, he still knows what he's doing. He's still the same. Because of that, I don't need to fear. Will there be times that we slip up and we fear? Of course. Because that stronghold is so incredibly easy to run to. Anytime something seems off, anytime things aren't like we want them, anytime there's uncertainty, how simple it is to run to that stronghold of fear. But that fear will literally do nothing for us. That fear is literally not going to help us at all. In fact, it's only going to have adverse effects on us. But if we run to a fear for God, if we submerge ourselves in a reverential awe of who he is, well then those things that we fear don't seem so big after all. If you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian, maybe you have questions on what that means or what it would look like. That's a good place to be. I want to encourage you to reach out to me. In just a moment, I'll let you know some ways that you can do that. Know that this is a place where you will be loved and you will find grace for wherever you are in life. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell me about it. There are a few ways that you can connect with me by email at remindersofgracepodcast at gmail.com. That's reminders with an S of gracepodcast at gmail.com. In addition, you can find a link to our brand new website, as well as my socials in the info section of this episode. Also, if you could please do me a favor and be sure to leave a review and then click on that subscribe or follow button wherever you engage with the podcast to be certain that you never miss an episode. As you head into your week, as you navigate through your journey, as you face whatever you face, or as you seek to live on mission, be reminded of his grace. Know that no matter what, it is always, every single time, greater than.